say c'est bon. Welcome to Paris Good Food and Wine. I'm your host, Paige Donner. For the next half hour, I'll be presenting to you news, happenings, and personalities from Paris's extraordinary culinary world. So sit back and get ready to enjoy a full half hour of Paris Good Food and Wine. Like those French people do. Because it's all so good. October 2015, and here we are on our second episode in our second season of Paris Good Food and Wine. This being the month of Halloween, a beloved North American holiday, we have a couple of our youngster expats ringing in on what they remember and love the most about celebrating Halloween back home. Autumn also means cozy evenings by the fireplace. And what's a better companion to that than a glass of fine port wine? Mr. Manuel Cabral joins us for this segment to give us hints and suggestions of what pairs nicely with that glass of tawny or ruby port wine. He's the executive director of the Instituto dos Vinos do Duro e do Porto of Portugal. That's the official port wine governing body. And for this season, we're spicing up our restaurant reviews by adding yet another voice, namely Gilles Pudlowski, who is a renowned French restaurant critic specialized in Paris restaurants. For this episode, he'll be introducing us to Chef Jean-Francois Piège's new restaurant just opened in September here in Paris called Le Grand Restaurant. It's close to midnight And something evil's lurking in the dark Under the moonlight You see a sight that almost stops your heart You try to scream But terror takes a sound before you make it You start to freeze As horror looks you right between the eyes You're paralyzed Cause this is thriller Thriller night And no one's gonna save you from the beast about to strike You know it's thriller Thriller night You're fighting for your life inside a killer I'm Paige Donner and you're listening to Paris Good Food and Wine. Okay, so this is going to be our Halloween special. And I've got with me a delightful little family who's just come to relocate to Paris. Uh, we've got Julie, the mom <laughs> from Connecticut, and her two little daughters. The little baby is sleeping. So what's your name? Laura. And what's your little sister's name? Lulu. Okay. And Julie, how old are your are your two older girls? Laura is six, and Lulu just turned three, right before we moved. Oh, you're all scampering around too. You're you're a good little walker already. Well, this is our Halloween program, and I thought what would be fun is this is going to be your first Halloween, I think, away from America. Is that correct? It is. It is. It is. <laughs> And um, here in, in Paris, they've started to celebrate Halloween a little bit more, um, but it's nothing like the United States, because so, Halloween is a big 
you know, a big holiday for us. But I wanted to ask you, what are some of the things you remember doing um, for Halloween? Like, for example, did you ever go trick-or-treating? Yes, we did. <laughs> can you tell, like, if you were talking to um, a, a little girl or boy about your age, can you tell me what trick-or-treating is all about? Trick-or-treating is about a, is a day where, where you go to different houses and they give you candy and you put them in a Halloween basket and collect it. And so at the end of the, of the evening or the end of the day, how much candy do you have? Uh, I don't know. I think 100 pieces. That's a lot of candy. Lulu, do you remember? You might be a little too young. What's, what, do you remember Halloween? Yeah. Did you ever get to wear a costume for Halloween? Yes. <laughs> Do you remember what you were? Yes. A penguin. A penguin. <laughs> and, and what were you? A armored leopard since we were a zoo with a big pink hair bow in her hair. Oh, that sounds so cute. Now, for, for moms, I know Halloween is also a really big, a big deal. I mean, you know, what kind of preparations as a mom do you do for your, for your children? Because it, it is a children's festival, really, a children's holiday. Well, we actually, Halloween is one of my favorite holidays. I don't know why. I just really That's like great. fall. Yes. Yeah, so Lara was reminding me. So last year we had a whole fa- our whole family dressed up. We were a zoo since that seemed uh, appropriate. So I was the chief veterinarian and my husband was the zookeeper and the little baby was a giraffe. And then these two were um, a leopard and a, a penguin. A and we had a big Halloween party with all of their friends. All the kids wore their costumes and we made... Um, we rolled out sugar cookies. We made them apples and uh, pumpkins. And before the party, one of our favorite things to do, we went apple picking and we picked all the apples for the party. So we made everything fresh from what we had picked. And we picked out a pumpkin at the pumpkin patch so we could decorate a jack-o'-lantern. And we always have to get two of everything since the girls like to do their own. So we had two jack-o'-lanterns and we got some extra pumpkin, little pumpkins for the kids to decorate, and they all got to decorate masks and what other things? Oh, we love apple cider, so we made a big pot of that, and, and we had a, ja- a jack o' lantern pinata with lots and lots of candy, especially chocolate. That was their favorite. So, yeah. <laughs> well, no, th- those are two really fun things, and they're both very American. I don't even know how to translate them in, into French. So I'm thinking not so much for our expat listeners, but maybe for some of our French listeners. Can you describe to me what is a jack-o'-lantern? Well, well uh, a jack-o'-lantern is a pumpkin where you carve some kind of a scary face, like a cat or a butterfly, or, or could be anything, but it has to be scary. Sorry, not a butterfly. And uh, and then you scoop out the insides, put a candle inside, put it on your porch or a table or really anywhere, unless a baby could get into the candle. And then uh, it glows in the scary face and the pumpkin is orange, and the scary face lights up. And it welcomes people to your home for Halloween. And you can roast the pumpkin seeds, which we do every year. So we yeah, have we those do. in little jars around the house. <laughs> and, and Lulu, what, what's your favorite trick-or-treat or, or Halloween candy treat or sweet? It's from a pumpkin that grows candy corn and it goes in a 
and a pumpkin basket, and, it, and it's made in orangey jeans. Yes, um, candy corn in her pumpkin basket. That's what she was trying to say. <laughs> she likes candy corn. And another thing that, that you mentioned, too, was a piñata. And com- me coming from California, I know exactly what a piñata is. I don't know so much if it's a Mexican or a Spanish tradition, so I'm not sure how familiar in France it might be. Um, but describe to us what, what a piñata is. Well, it's a big paper mache. You can have it any shape, but ours was a pumpkin, obviously. And it's filled. You fill it inside with whatever you want. So we filled it with candy, and the kids whack at it. Um, with a stick or a bat, and eventually it showers down lots of candy, and, and everybody pick it picks it bag, up. Yeah, and then you sit down on, a, on some chairs or tables and eat the candy out of your bag. It could be like chocolate candy corn or anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, everything that you described too, it just sounds so autumnal and so so festive. The the apple picking, where did Describe to me a little bit about the apple picking with the children. Like, is that a big day's outing? Or? It's a very big day's outing. So we go to Bishop's Orchard, which is a um, pretty well-known orchard in Connecticut. And the leaves are changing. It's really beautiful. They do hay rides. They put out big hay bales, and all the kids jump in the hay. And then you go out, and in, in the orchard, they have all they of the have apples. Hay yeah, they have hay mazes. They have hay mazes. We have to find our way out. Yes. And they organize the apples by rows, and each row is a different type of apple. And so it's very fun. So you get to go down the rows and taste. You can eat as much as you want. Taste which apple you'd like to pick. And what we usually try to do is get just a little different, you know, different groups. And then we come home and decide what are our favorite ones. And we've learned that Lara likes the um, ginger gold. The ginger gold. That's her favorite. She even remembers. And she kind of likes the, the um, bigger apples that are just a little bit tart. And I like the more sweet apples. Um, and then we come home and we make apple sauce, homemade apple sauce. And what else do we make? And apple, apple muffins. P- apple muffins and apple, apple pie. pie. And Daddy is famous for a slider, so he makes apple slider. Apple slider, yep. And we make chicken apple chili. Those are all of our... Yeah, I love chicken apple We eat a lot of apples. <laughs> Oh, all that sounds so delicious. I'm getting hungry already. Now, I remember when I first met you, Laura, you asked me that I thought one of the most intelligent questions anyone's ever asked me. Do you remember what you asked me? Macarons. Oh. What's your favorite macaron? It is. You asked her that. What's your favorite macaron? That's right. That's exactly the question you asked me. And, and, uh, And I asked you that back. So what's your favorite macaron? I like the Marie Antoinette macaron. <laughs> what about you, Lulu? Which one do you like? I love, I love chocolate. That's why it's my favorite. And I do like something that is tasty. That's growing the flower of the nectar. Oh, she likes the rose pet, the edible rose petals that they sometimes put um, on their treats. Yeah, and it's really chocolate by the days, and it grows in a flower that's nectar. <laughs> you know, I I think you guys are going to be Parisian before you. I think you're already Parisian, to be quite honest. Well, happy Halloween to you. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween.
Next up, we'll be hearing from Manuel Cabral, who tells us all about what to enjoy with that glass of fine port wine. So, Mr. Manuel Cabral, you are the president of the... Well, actually, you say it so much better. Please please say your title because you have a charming accent. <laughs> Port and Douro Wines Institute. And that is such a prestigious area. I mean, it's one of the most remarkable wine areas in, in the world. And I believe it's, it's UNESCO heritage. Yes, absolutely. Since uh, 2001. Uh, in 2001, all the, the area where port wine is produced was declared by UNESCO as a UNESCO World Heritage. And, you know, um, we are the oldest Appellation d'Origine of the world. Uh, we were classified in 1756. Oh, yeah, that predates anything, in, even in France, uh, by a, a good century at least. <laughs> yes. Well, now, and I'm glad that you brought us to France right away because, uh, of course, this program is about um, mostly about French food and wine, but also things that we find in Paris. And uh, port is definitely a very, a very beloved drink here in France. Can you give us some, just, let's just go on a pleasure trip of what kind of pairings we can do with port and French food? <laughs> you know, a lot. Um, it's, um, port wine, as I told you, is one of the oldest um, appellation d'origine uh, in the world. So, uh, with all that evolution, we have different families of port, different types of port. For instance, you have the ruby and the tonis, the, 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 the two biggest families. In the rubies, you have you can have the LBV, the vintage, the crusted, etc. In the rubies, uh, in the tonis, you have uh, the normal tonis, aged tonis. You can, vi uh, you know, uh, some weeks ago. Uh, it was uh, sold in London, in an auction, a bottle of port wine that is in perfect, perfect conditions from 1815, with 200 years. So it shows you how port wine can age. And uh, it's also because of that that we have a lot of different types of port. Uh, rosé, well, pink uh, port, white port, aged, aged white port, that is a surprise for a lot of people. So, uh, in France, for instance, people n normally uh, port wine is considered as a aperitif, vin aperitif. But you can drink port wine in England or in the States. You have uh, port wine normally in the ends of, of your meals, uh, after your meals, with coffee, with a cigar. <laughs> We do a little bit of a, di a different pairing in the, in the U.S., that's true. We uh, approach port a little differently. J just a question for you. Um, if you had to pair that 1815 port with something, what would be one of your, uh, like uh, two or three of your choices? I think that with a port like that, you should drink it uh, alone <laughs> because it's too good and too... Well, it, it, it's in a perfect conditions. I didn't drink it, but uh, I know people that drank that, that, that port wine uh, with 200 years. Imagine what that bottle, and it was bot bottled uh, 200 years ago. So it's a bottle that passed wars, that passed, well, uh, from people hands to hands, you know, and, from, for, uh, and passed all the temptations, you know, uh, your ancestor that had that bottle and resists to drink it. So it's... it's uh, uh, a port like that should be drank alone, I think. But uh, there are a lot of ports, even aged, 
to uh, to drink with uh, lots of, of things. Uh, we well, were one of the things that we see most commonly is port paired with chocolate, uh, or port paired with uh, kind of s sweeter things. With cheese, port with cheese, uh, a ruby, a vintage or LBV with a strong cheese. It's a very good pairing. Port uh, with chocolates. We had here in Vinexpo, we had in exactly in this place where we are, uh, we had lessons about to experiment uh, that that pairings with chocolate yesterday, with with uh, French cheese today and tomorrow with uh, pâtisserie with some um, uh, pastry. So. With chocolates, for instance, depending of the cacao percentage, you can have uh, a tony or a ruby. It's if, with a chocolate with more cacao, it's better, I think, uh, a port wine with um, a ruby port wine, a vintage or a LBV. With less cacao uh, can be, or a white chocolate can be very good, very good pairing with a tony, 10 years old or a 20 years old tony. So it's a very good example of what we were saying. Well, you know, and just for, for us beginners with, um, with, with port, because not everybody is very familiar with port, can you just give a, a very, very brief comparison or explanation, definition of ruby and tony? Uh, a ruby is port wine that evo uh, the evolution of that port wine is done in bottle. So after the production of port, two, three, four or five years uh, after, uh, the wine is bottled. And the evolution is, uh, is, is done in bottle. So the deoxygenation of the port is very small. Only through the, uh, the bush, the, the only, uh, only through the cork. So it it maintains for a long time that darkness, uh, that that fruitness that that uh, rubies have vintage or uh, LBV have. A tony, uh, the evolution of the tonies is done in barrel. So the oxygenation, uh, the, the wood is um, uh, porous. So the, the, that wine has a lot of oxygenation, you know, contact with the air. So the evolution is faster. So requires that color, uh, that tony color, if you can say. Well, that's a wonderful uh, descriptive, and it makes me want to do some tastings with uh, port wines. Is there any last thing? Is there any last tip that you'd like to give somebody who is looking to be uh, more educated about port wines? Try different types of ports try different pairings with port. You will be amazed of the experience that you can have. Uh, you will be um, tarnished about the, your port experience. And visit region, visit port and visit the uh, Douro where port wine is produced. Bravo, well thank you for those wonderful tips. Thank you thank so you. much, Mr. Corral. Thank you. Gil Pavlowski is up next, and he'll be taking us on a tour of Chef Jean-Francois Piège's hot new restaurant opening in the 8th arrondissement. You're listening to Paris Good Food and Wine with me, your host, Paige Donner. For today's episode of our restaurant review for Paris Good Food and Wine, I have the great honor and privilege of sitting here next to Gilles Pudlowski, who is one of France's top, top restaurant critics. Um, and he's also got a very content-rich 
blog and also guidebooks. And I will go into more depth about Mr. Pudlowski on a separate segment. But for this, we're going to dive right in and have him talk to us about uh, one of the new restaurants in Paris that just opened up. Um, here we are in it's quite new. The name of the restaurant is simple, and uh, maybe it can, it can look pretentious, but it's Grand Restaurant, Le Grand Restaurant, like the great restaurants, you know. It's Jean-François Piège, Le Grand Restaurant. It's the restaurant which had been created by Jean-François Piège, who was formerly the chef of restaurant Toumieux at the first floor, with two, two Michelin stars, and he was before in the Crillon Hotel with two stars. He was also outsider for the three stars for the Michelin Guide some years ago. And before that, he was uh, the sous chef of uh, Alain Ducasse. So he knows everything, he can cook everything. Uh, he's very clever, he's very smart, he knows everything about food. He's a classical man, but he's young. He's 42 years old or 43, something like that, 43. He's just a new father, huh? he just had a new... Uh, a son just now so uh, everything is new for him and the, the restaurant is quite an event you know for the people in september the the new things to to know is the opening of the grand restaurant what is a grand restaurant uh, it's a very small place so it's uh, uh, we say in france parad french paradox you know uh, uh, we say grand restaurant when the place is um, is small but it means that it's grand because the the food is great the food is great. And how many how many seats about when you say small about how many seats? It's 26, 28, 20, 29, huh? Not more than 30. Though so it's small place. It's, uh, we say artisanal, huh? it's the uh, craft craft work, you know. When you you enter the place, you see first the kitchen with a lot of uh, young men and uh, also girls who prepare the food and uh, the pastry maker is very um, Gifted, huh? so you said it's a school of uh, very good future chefs, you know. And Jean-François, the oldest of the team, and uh, he makes something special, you know, with the restaurant with the three menu. Huh? Uh, the one, the first menu for the lunch is uh, 85 euro for the lunch. It's expensive, but. It was the trip huh, because uh, maybe it's the next uh, three stars in the Michelin Guide. Huh? Uh, it's really wonderful. You can have uh, wonderful things like you say air de baguette. Very hard to translate. It's been something like uh, like a bread, uh, like a little bread, you know, baguette. Uh, and inside you have parmesan, uh, parmigiano, and uh, it's very uh, very light and uh, very tasty and also he makes something like chips but with uh, I'd say uh, peanuts cacahuete uh, peanuts and uh, shrimps and also uh, aubergine so eggplant eggplant in most so it's wonderful like petit amusegueule huh? we say uh, just a little things to to begin and after you you, you, you know, I, I, I just want to jump in there for a moment. I've, I've only, we, I've always heard amuse bouche, and now more and more I'm hearing amuse gueule. The same, you know. When you say amuse gueule, it's more um, colloquial, and when you say amuse bouche, it's smarter. You know, for the British, it's amuse bouche, and uh, maybe, and for the Americans, it's amuse gueule. Okay, and French, and French also. Uh, for us, when you say, when say uh, it's, I say the beginning, you know, so you say in French the prelude. But um, when you begin, you must absolutely taste one thing, which is 
quite the, the, the new dishes in Paris in uh, 2015. It's um, pomme soufflé, farci de crustacés with caviar. Pomme soufflé, it's potatoes uh, soufflé. Uh, like in Tour d'Argent, but inside uh, it's very crispy, the crisp uh, potatoes. Inside you have a mix between crayfish and uh, lobster uh, in cream and uh, with a little bit caviar. And it's served in something in a very um, smart, um, it's not really a plate, but uh, it's, a, it's a dish and you eat it. And just inside, inside you have the gelée of the crustacés. Uh, of the crayfish with caviar also so if you have the two 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 kind of uh of two ways to eat the because i say it's so very it's you are like in the sea at the sea, in the front of the sea but you are in paris it's really wonderful is that now that sounds like it must be one of his signature dishes yeah, and very absolutely absolutely uh, another one which is uh, it's a spaghetti artisanal uh, made by himself uh, made within the water with parmigiano and it's served with truffles and just beside he makes pork not uh, leeks uh, pork belly exactly pork belly it's really uh, something uh, uh, we'd say um, in France we say canaille canaille it's cuisine uh, it's rustic and sophisticated both you know both and he served that spaghetti with the pork belly with um, the the head of the the pork and the the nose of the pork in salad with vinaigrette so it's it's not not heavy it's not uh, something uh, uh, too strong you know you can eat like that you know and after you have a, a dessert which is really wonderful very very uh, Signature, signature dishes, as you say, it's blanc manger. The blanc manger, it's a mousse, very light, and inside the mousse, you have a cream with vanilla, vanilla cream with a lot of vanilla. When you cut it, it's uh, you don't see anything, you just see like a little cake, but it's not really a cake, it's just a mousse. Inside, you cut it, and you have a flow, it's flow with, with vanilla. It's uh, it's uh, paradise. <laughs> it's a uh, paradise for the gourmet. Uh, it's really fun, fun. It's really wonderful. It's not. Uh, um, I think it's uh, pre-dessert. You know, we can you can have a, a normal dessert after that. But it's he say when when they give this to it, he say it's my placinature in French. So maybe you can when you eat this, you can you can say you have understand the the spirit and the mind of uh, Jean François Piège. It's something classical and new, both. It's always, he takes something classic, which is blanc manger, and he makes something new with the, the flow of uh, the vanilla, very light, you know, uh, like that. It's very tasty. It's not rubbish, you know. It's uh, not cheshi. It's very good and not gadget. You know, it's not the molecular or the cooking. It's re the real cooking with real things. And uh, the service wonderful also, I can say it. And it's very quick. Uh, very, uh, very often the great restaurants are boring with uh, the personnel who are not smiling at all. It's young people who say serve, and it's so fast, it's quick, and the wines by the glass are wonderful, maybe. And it's, it's right in the center of town? Yes, it's quite in the center. Just uh, in front, I can say, of uh, the British Embassy, 
not so far from uh, where Mr. Holland works and lives uh, l'Elysée. Uh, it's very near also f uh, of Hermès, the famous shop uh, of Faubourg Saint-Honoré. Uh, it's, it's called the Rue d'Aguesso, 7 Rue d'Aguesso, very near from La Madeleine, very near from, uh, not so far from Champs-Élysées, very near from La Concorde. So it, it's the middle of the world, of, the, of Paris, and Paris is the middle of the world, so uh, it's exactly the middle of the world. <laughs> very, very nicely put, very well said. Thank you so much, Jill. I re really appreciate hearing your insightful, very refined remarks. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Paris, Good Food and Wine. I'm your host and producer, Paige Donner. Paris, Good Food and Wine is brought to you in part by the generous support of FUSAC, Paris's English language website and community resource since 1988. And the show is also brought to you by the support of Paris Food and Wine. Visit us at parisfoodandwine.net Happy Halloween! Happy Halloween! Happy Halloween! Thanks for joining us for this half hour of Paris Good Food and Wine. Myself, Paige Donner, and the rest of the team look forward to seeing you again here for the next episode of Paris Good Food and Wine. Because it's so, so good Thank <laughs> you.